You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit. We've got everything Lions. We've got Chris Eric Ryan and Jeremy Reisman. Tune in on Twitch to get all of the content. Join us at prideofdetroit.com. And hello and welcome back. You are listening to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You always do. We are your friends. We're in your ear. I'm your friend. I'm your friend, Christopher Fett, the adequate host. At Christopher Fett on Twitter, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. As we come to you live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, where you can watch us live every Monday. And always download the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get podcasts, the Pride of Detroit POD cast. The POD stands for Pride of Detroit. That's what we do it at Pride of Detroit on Twitter. As we come to you again here and uh, from our digital war room, as we sit here, we've got quite a bit to talk about on this show. We've got our OTA preview. We've got some uh, buy and sell on coaching on coaching talk that uh, Jeremy has promised is going to be intriguing. And uh, we'll get to our starting topic in a second. But yes, the big man himself is back from vacation. Pride of Detroit's fearless leader, mustacheless, Jeremy Reisman. Hello, Jeremy at Detroit Online. Hi, guys. I missed you. How are you guys doing? I didn't all miss right. you at all. Great talk, I was, was going to have, I had the dictatorship <laughs> rolling. We were, uh, we were vibing. We were chilling. You were chilling. And you're just now, you've decided instead to come back to hell. You've just decided to come back to talk about football because you are a degenerate. I'm trying to restore sanity to this, this place. Even though I thought you guys did, you guys, you guys held the fort down. Let's be honest. I listened to you guys on my, my car raid back and... I, w- I was surprised by how civil it was and and seemingly organized. That's called f- damning praise, folks. That's that's how you that's how you knock someone's legs out from beneath them without them su- supposedly knowing about it. And to explain that further, let's bring in the third man of the POD cast, Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother- at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, can you just tell the audience what Jeremy just did? I don't know if he complimented us or not. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, I'm still didn't. confused. I'm confused. I mean, it's nice to have him back, though, because it brings some symmetry to the. Uh, to the layout. I'm glad he's back. I'm in the middle. Yeah. He's in the middle. Uh, Billing, no surprise there. We're all in here and we're all all three of us are back and it feels good, doesn't it? it feels natural. 
All right, I'm getting nothing out of you guys. Ryan, you guys, I'm back, I and you guys it. want me to carry the conversation. I fixed it. My mic is better now, right? That's good. So. Kind of. We'll we'll, we'll okay, deal with cool. it in a second. Adequate. There I, we go. I, Perfect I, podcast. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, you were busy just you know getting your your bets in for tonight's NBA action, so I can't blame you. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Really? What happened? What happened last night? Hold on. Hold on. What happened last night? What happened last night? It's, it's not just one night, Chris. <laughs> what happens over the week? All right. Hold up. Lakers, Lakers, Warriors. Did you have you, you had the Warriors, right? I, I, I come back and we're talking basketball. What the hell is you guys were supposed I, to get no out of your system last there's week? No football for him to bet on, Jeremy. We didn't. We didn't plan this. I promise you, we did not plan this. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. All right. Well, let's get on to the Lions stuff um, while Ryan nurses his wounds. There, um, we have an interesting report to start with. I don't know how long we're going to really talk about this one before jumping into Jeremy's game he wants to play, but uh, I want to talk about this because uh, during the week while we were kind of in between podcasts, between two podcasts, if you will. Uh, reports came out from CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd that the Detroit Lions had offered a eight-year, $68.5 million deal to Campbell to be the head coach. Matt, now, that's not... Matt, no, that, no, no I know. And I, yeah. oh. Damn it, Jeremy. You ruined my setup. You ruined my setup. You've ruined you this gotta, You got to convey this message to me, all right? Ahead of time. <laughs> I was going to joke because I'm pretty sure there was an SB Nation article that misidentified the Lions head coach as Matt Campbell. Mm. And I know Ryan was, like, letting people know about that, but... Hey, no, this was actually to Matt, Matt Campbell, eight years, six point eight million deal. However, Jeremy, um, sources have been coming out and saying like, no, this didn't actually like the Lions apparently were interested in Matt Campbell, the other Campbell, but not to the tune of eight million. I mean, eight year deal for a guy who is currently right now coaching the Iowa State Cyclones. Yeah, and and there were definitely signs from the get go that there this was kind of a, a weird report to just kind of come out of nowhere. It was literally released in the middle of a video segment where they're talking about the top ten college football coaches right now. I mean, I just throws that out there without you know um, you know writing anything on it. CBS didn't write a report up on it. Basically, he just kind of said it as an offhand comment. And everyone's like, "Wait, what did you just say?" No one's ever said that before. I don't think he realized maybe that no one ever said that before. And yeah, and since then, Alliance Source has talked to Dave Burkett and told him it's not true. Albert Breer came out this early this week and said, yeah, they, they were really interested. They talked a couple times. Chris Bielman apparently knows Matt Campbell from their days at Ohio together, um, where they both grew up. But they never even talked contract. Um, they, were, they were about to fly over and meet him for the first time, but they never discussed any sort of contract. They never discussed a deal, any sort of that. So it seems like this report is, is erroneous, but... I want to throw it to Ryan because I know Ryan has been chomping at the bit to, to talk about this really since the, the news first came out. And uh, I, I don't I, I think he kind of titled his own opinion on it as a conspiracy theory. So uh, I, I'd love to hear what you have to think. Oh, so you give the floor to me. Is that what's happening? Wow. That's, uh, that's yeah. I'm, tr I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to get some chemistry back here because clearly we're off our game right now. Yeah, we're off our game. I'll bring, I'll bring one. 
Yeah, I'll bring it. I'll bring it back to. Uh, I'll bring it back to even. I'll bring it back to the center. So here's the thing. I want to keep my tinfoil hat on when it comes to all of this because I think the 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 first thing that really got people in a in a tizzy was the terms of the contract and it being eight years and them seemingly uh, a lot of people being kind of just wowed at both the length of the contract and the terms of the contract in terms of the money. I don't think it's all that wild. I don't think it's that crazy, especially when you consider the contract that the Carolina Panthers gave to Matt rule back in January of 2020. Or the one that maybe John Gruden got with the Raiders. Uh, maybe well, maybe not comparing crazy. it to that one for not being crazy is, is not the right thing to I do. Mean, it's, still ten, it's 10 years it's and it's, it's a lot more money. But I think to what I'm trying to say is I think Ryan's onto something in that long term contracts. Not too crazy. Yeah, I mean, and do the length of contracts for players or coaches even matter anymore? Like there's voidable years that are happening. There's I mean, when it comes to like a. A coaching a coaching contract. If if a contract is that long, there's always a way for a team to get out of it and move on to the next thing. Because let's be honest, the team is paying that contract and the team can afford it. Okay. Um, but from this standpoint, I thought one of the most interesting aspects of Dodd dropping that you know bomb out of nowhere that the Lions had offered Matt Campbell a contract uh, of that magnitude was the comment that he made about what he was trying to confirm whether or not that. Matt Campbell was offered full control of the Detroit Lions. And I started to just kind of piece everything together when the initial report came out, because I think that's what a lot of people were doing. I mean, like Justin Rogers commented on it. Dave Burkett commented on it. Obviously, he followed up and and kind of debunked this um, this contract offer to Matt Campbell. But I think as I started to put things together, it seemed like the the timeline of this of these events kind of made sense in the in, in the idea that Brad Holmes wasn't the Lions GM yet uh, when supposedly this offer happened. Um, there was great interest from the Lions, obviously, in Matt Campbell. Um, I, I'm not obviously I'm on the side that says, like, yes, the, the, there probably wasn't an official contract offered. But when this was first refuted, it really seemed like it only benefited the Lions to come out and squash this. It, it only really seemed to benefit the Lions to come out and say something against us, because why would Matt Campbell ever comment on it? Um, I think the only thing that it does for him in terms of his perception, and, and this kind of goes to the, the Albert Breer report where, you know, he made an agreement because he has a uh, he has a roster that's really filled with upperclassmen and seniors. And apparently he committed to them because they committed to come back for another year at Iowa State. So it was kind of like this loyalty agreement. But I mean, this looks good on Matt Campbell because it's like, yeah, I'm committed to Iowa State. I turned down an eight year and sixty eight and a half million dollar contract to come back and uh, coach at Iowa State for the Lions. I mean, at, at first, it seemed like complete and utter damage control. It's like, yeah, no, no, Dan Campbell was our first choice. Like, like, that's what it appeared to be from from the outside looking in. And, you know, Burkett's obviously done some reporting, and I think that he's a great source to trust. So. Um, I ultimately believe him, but at the same time, I'm going to keep my tinfoil hat on because I think that where there's smoke, there's fire. And even I, I, now we're now we're splitting hairs on like whether or not a an official offer was ever made. Like, like were terms ever even talked about? Like, can can we report on that? Like, you know what I mean? So it seems like we're kind of just splitting hairs in this report a little bit. So I'm I'm choosing to believe in something that's more interesting. <laughs> I get that. And 
I, I think my concern, at least when it was just, you know, the report from CBS and just Burkett, it was kind of just like choose who you believe, right? Like, because I do believe like you're saying the Lions have, you know, motivation to, to deny this and, and put out a report that it's not true. Well, what's the motivation for this to be leaked in the first place? That, that's an important question to, to think about because it probably, like you said, it makes Dan, it looks, makes Matt Campbell look really good, right? Like he loves his team so much. He turned down an $84 million deal or eight years or whatever. Like that, that makes him look good. So maybe the release comes on his end or whatever. So, I mean, basically you have to weigh like, all right, is Matt Campbell releasing this to look good or Lions releasing this to make them look good? Well, the answer is probably somewhere in between, right? And now you throw Albert Breer in the mix. He doesn't really say what his source is. Um, I, I do credit Dave for saying, outright like this is a lion source this was some someone within the lion so that gives you the option to be like well can i believe this or is this just lion saying hey dan campbell was always our guy like mm-hmm. that that's the part to me i definitely don't think i i believe is that i don't think right off the bat dan campbell was a the guy there would based on every report out there that isn't that one single lion's report including some things dave burkett has reported matt campbell was very very coveted by this team and and to be clear, that that doesn't negate anything. Like, I think a lot of Lions fans get defensive over this story to begin with because they're like, Dan Camp, but Dan Campbell's my guy. It's like, this doesn't take away from any of that. This is just Lions. They did due diligence. They they looked at a lot of guys. They probably liked a lot of guys. That doesn't mean it's a perfect match every time. And it turned out not to be a perfect match with Matt Campbell. Am I going to sit here and tell you at the time I would prefer Dan to Matt Campbell? No, I don't think anyone really had Dan Campbell on the radar at all. But Dan has gone a long way since to kind of prove himself. But I think we all probably would have been pretty happy about Matt Campbell right now. And in the Albert Breer report said he was coveted by five of seven teams looking for a new coach. Five, seven teams requested an interview with the guy. He's considered one of the best college coaches right now. And so it's, yeah, it's kind of a bummer Matt Campbell turned him down. I'm not saying this news is, is, you know, signs of of Lions incompetence or hammering on dan campbell or anything like that it's just it's an interesting part of the the equation and uh yeah. and we'll, we'll see where it goes yeah i was gonna say like if i remember from the coaching search carousel that was going on this season matt campbell's name was thrown around for more than just the lions like this wasn't just the lions trying to hone in on matt campbell and yeah i i want to stress on one point jeremy said about like it doesn't take away on like dan campbell's your guy uh, I hate to say it, but if Lions fans have had if, if the Lions have gotten someone else, every Lions fan would be saying, oh, Coach Grunsnut is our guy or whatever his name is. I don't know. I'm just throwing a name out there like you would always say the guy's your guy. Like, come on. But I think it's I don't want to I don't want to go tinfoil hat like the rest of you guys. I don't know why it was leaked. I will just say, however, um, I'm kind of glad it wasn't Matt Campbell because on one hand, and I think it was smart for Matt Campbell to turn down all any offers he might've gotten from the NFL and stay with, stay with Iowa state because uh, Matt Campbell's whole coaching career is just 2012 to 2015 Toledo, 2016 to present Iowa state. That is his head coaching record right there. Toledo, which I love. That's my hometown. I love you Toledo Rockets football. Don't get me wrong. And then Iowa State, which is, if we're being clear, the second, probably the second tier, maybe third tier. It was never, it's never been a great college in the Big 12. It, and I think in, even in the college ranks, people are waiting for Matt Campbell to move up to 
a big boy job in somewhere else in the power five, be it, you know, a Texas or whatever have you They're They're not looking at him as being like, yeah, this guy's going to be an NFL coach. And yeah, we've seen, you know, we, we saw Matt rule move up from Baylor to, to uh, the Carolina Panthers. But I, I'm my point is that he, he, started, he started at temple, went to a big 12 team and then got a big sure. boy NFL contract. Yeah, at least I would say that ba- that Baylor, at least because of what they had with our Bryles, at least saw more success than Iowa State has had in a very long time. But if you're talking so, exper- if you're talking strictly experience, they're incredibly similar to one another. Sure, sure, and we still have to see what Maverick is. Like, I think he got a lot of good press for his first year, which was still like a four and sixteen season for the Panthers at the end of the day. Um, but. Again, like, is that who you would want to throw your kind of I I think it's smart for Matt Campbell, because if Matt Campbell goes to the NFL with that experience and bombs out, then it's going to be kind of a hard ladder to crawl back. Like all these guys think, I mean, and it'll be the same case for Matt Rule. If Matt Rule doesn't do well in Carolina, like what's the next step after if he gets fired from Carolina? So I think some guys like sometimes it's good to stay in the pools that, you know, at least until you know for certain you're ready to go on. And I think for Iowa State, yeah, it was cool. You won, you won the Fiesta Bowl. That's a that's a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, I think, I don't know. I I I, I at least turned that program around though. I mean, like, what yes, are you expecting yes, sure. to win a national championship in year three? No, no. I am just saying it is still limited pool versus. Sure. It, it's a risk. It, there's Matt no Campbell way. is not assembling the the coaching staff that Dan Campbell has right now. Is what that's I'm saying. Hundred percent like, true. Yeah, and that's 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 something I like. We were just talking about this with with Joe Judge, right? On how much how much of a staff can Joe Judge make? And I mean, different different case there. He's a lot younger, Joe Judge. But I mean, just God, like I it, it, I, I think. I would take been, a guy. I would take guy with connections. What I'm saying is, like yeah. Matt Campbell didn't have the NF, doesn't have the NFL connections right now. That's still a huge risk, no matter what that is. No, no question, it's a huge risk. It would have been a, a completely different route for this team to take, and I, I, I almost it almost admire the lines a little bit more, knowing that they they kind of diversified their their vision there. Because if Matt Campbell's your head coach, he's running the show. I'm not sure Dan Campbell is necessarily really running the show. He's delegating everything and that's yep. fine like if he just wants to be the rah-rah guy in the locker room and and can make everything else work great but yeah, matt campbell the guy coaching yeah yeah matt campbell would have been a guy that that would be you know his hands would be all over the offense his hands would be all over the play calling his hands would be all over everything and it, it's it's a completely different style and you're right it's extremely risky the guy doesn't have any nfl experience but it's i mean when have the lines taken a big risk like that um it would have it would have it would have been exciting like you said people would have bought in immediately because that's what you do with a new regime but um to me it's just interesting that they they were clearly interested in a, in a guy who was very clearly not Dan Campbell it was it would, would would have been a completely different approach and that's what that's all it means to me it doesn't mean the lines got you know they they failed in not getting their number one guy it doesn't mean that they settled for Dan Campbell or anything like that it just means he was part of the search didn't work out well, for both sides you, and, and you they went the a different way. That, you, you get the guy that you get. I don't know if the Lions got their guy, whoever their first overall one was, no matter what, no matter what fans say about the Lions got their guy, you get the guy that's that's decided he wants to sign with you to be your coach at the end of the day. It's not always your guy, but it's the guy mm-hmm. you get. And that's sometimes the best thing. I can't imagine like for some of the you look at some of the legendary coaches out there. I can't imagine Bill Belichick was the first 
first name for some people. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Nick Saban's was the first name for the Dolphins. That didn't work out great there. Maybe Steve Spurrier was the first name for for Washington. How'd that go? Like it's it's you you it's not always a fate. Sometimes your the decision you get to make is not always in your hands. Okay, that's a bit of a, a, a what what what's what's the word I'm looking for? Never mind. That's bad analogy. Bad analogy. What I'm saying is that sometimes you know the right guy is just kind of it's it's the one that it either works out or it doesn't. I just I don't know the the whole your guy thing just doesn't track with me because sometimes. Oh. Again, some of the guys who have been the best weren't the first choice either. You don't have to go back too far in Lions history to to see where that happened, right? Like, apparently they swung and missed on Ken Wisenhunt, and they ended up with Jim Caldwell. And I would say that that worked out pretty well for the Detroit Lions for yeah. And for their first being. guy, and their first guy after Jim Caldwell was uh, Matt Patricia, their top guy, and not Mike Vrabel. So it it works out. <laughs> right it works out but but here, here's here's the one last thing that i kind of want to say about the matt campbell stuff because a lot of people in, in addition to the the length of the contract and questioning the you know the dollar amount of the contract a lot of people were wondering why would matt campbell ever turn down that kind of money i think it's really easy as to why matt campbell would turn that down because like chris already alluded to for a for a guy who's making that leap from iowa state to the nfl and if things fail, it's a hard climb back up. Matt Campbell would have yeah, been... Buddy, you're going back to Toledo. <laughs> well, Matt Campbell would have been tasked with trading Matthew Stafford, picking at number seven, taking over one of the worst defenses in NFL history, navigating a salary cap hell like we have not seen in the NFL before. Because if, if Matt Campbell was given this job, he was going to be given a job that was very similar in terms to Matt Rule. And Matt Rule has final say on the 53-man roster at Carolina. So there would be a lot of decision-making that Matt Campbell would have to do in the early onset stages of him getting hired. Think about the whirlwind that we were in when when Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell got hired. It was Matt Stafford getting traded for first-round draft picks and Jared Goff and like everything was just at breakneck speed. I mean, I know Jeremy from having to cover everything needed a vacation and a cigarette just to get by. But like for 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 I think Matt Campbell, like I think it behooves him to to turn down this job because guess what? He's going to be Michigan's next head coach. Heard it here oh, first. Oh, damn. He's digging in that knife. I think I think we should take a break on that. I think I'm going to let Jeremy you shouldn't cool be upset about that. You should be excited about right. that as a non-Michigan fan. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy's not a Michigan fan. Not a non-Michigan fan. What? I thought you retired that. He did okay. retire. Well, yeah, that's what I'm. Oh. <laughs> it's a lot like Jordan. Right. He'll he'll come back. Yeah, exactly. For the Wizards. Yeah. yeah. New 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 Washington Wizards uh, super fan Jeremy Reisman. <laughs> um, we're taking a break here. We come back. Speaking of Jeremy, uh, he saw our game that we played. Ryan, he got really jealous, so he wants to now throw uh, his own game at us, and we'll see what it is. He's told me it's buy or sell. So that might be a little more cliche than superlatives, but we will hear him out. We'll see what he's got for us. And we will be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, which is more catty than usual.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, and we're back on the Pride to Detroit POD cast, and it's time for another game show. Uh, my friend Brian No, who I do a radio show with, did a big giant draft of lazy sports radio uh elements and i think game shows are on there but it's usually like family feud type of stuff so i'm going to give jeremy the benefit of the doubt as he leads us into buy or sell and the topic today is jeremy it is oh what do i see here on my notes it is comments from detroit lions coaches on the state of the team or various elements of the team yeah and if if buy or sell is is too cliche i can change it to coach speak or keeping it real same yeah, can, like can it be keeping it real with with uh with chunky <laughs> what do you even do chunky <laughs> uh yeah but yeah no the <laughs> uh the the lions coaching staff uh the positional coaches talked to the media a lot of them for the first time last week and uh this segment is dedicating to weeding through everything that they said what is fact? What is fiction? What is coach speak? What is keeping it real? What is buying? What is selling? All that sort of stuff. Are you guys ready to go? Coach speaker real talk. I okay. think that's the name of it. Well, coach speaker real talk. Let's go with it. Let's hmm. start with defensive line coach Todd Wash. First time he talked to the media and he broke some kind of important news saying that Trey Flowers will play outside linebacker in the team's 3-4 base formation so instead of being a down defensive end with his hands in the dirt a lot of times he's going to be kind of standing on his feet there on the edge potentially rushing the passer potentially you know still holding the edge like he did in Matt Patricia's system potentially dropping into coverage a little bit so buy or sell Trey Flowers as a quote-unquote great fit in this new scheme as an outside linebacker let's go to you first Ryan you have to say that he's a good fit. You have to say that he's a great fit. You have to say every single player is a great fit for your team when you're planning on a paying them a bunch of money and b uh, when they're kind of one of the only holdovers from a terrible defense. And it's like, hey, check it out. I got this scheme. He's going to be a great fit. Uh, I still think Trey Flowers is a good football player. I don't know if he's a like elite football player, like how he got paid. But, uh, man, I sure hope that he excels at being an outside linebacker. We talked about this a little bit on the locker room podcast. So, like, how often will the Lions be in that base defense and how often will Trey Flowers be playing outside linebacker? But I'd have to say that I'm I'm selling this just on it being coach speak. Coach speak. I forgot. Coach is not selling. You think it's coach speak. Coach speaks a real talk. You think it's coach speak. I I think he's a better defensive end. Yeah. This is this is total coach speak. I'm trying to look up right now. Has he ever played outside linebacker? He, I mean, has he ever lined? I, I mean, I looked I, through I, his PFF I, snaps, and he's in the past three years. I don't think he's ever had more than like 40 snaps at outside linebacker. Cool. Okay. Okay. And we're <laughs> going to be moving him there as his main position. Okay. Yeah. No. This is coach speak. Like Ryan, I'm not buying this idea of like, oh, just great fit. You just you say that about everyone. Like we say that about everyone, even if you're about ready to cut them. 
Yeah, coach. I, I'm I'm gonna break conventions here, and I'm I'm going to play my own game show. And I'm also gonna say I think there's more real talk here than there is coach speak. I really do. Um, I I think I think we're kind of overselling how much difference there's going to be in defensive end versus outside linebacker. I mean, we we see players make that transition all the time and it's not like Trey Flowers has never stood up before when he rushed the passer. I think he's still mostly going to be rushing the passer just kind of from a different position and and at the same time like when they go nickel, when they go dime, he's going to slide in in defensive end and, and basically do the same thing he was doing last year. So I don't really think there's going to be that much difference. I don't see anything in his skill set that tells me he can't do that. I mean, we, we even saw Trey Flowers drop into coverage a few times last year, and we all lambasted, um, you know, uh, the previous coaching staff for doing that. But he didn't look out of place in it. Like, he's had a fair amount of batted balls in his career, too. So I don't think this is a huge deal. Um, I think it's probably more of a deal than people are making out of it. Um, it will be an adjustment. I'm not going to say it isn't. But I, I don't think there's anything... Um, that that he's missing to make this. Um, I, I do think he has a skill set to play this position, so it, it, it it'll right. take an adjustment. But I think I think this is mostly keeping it real. What you got next? What do we got? Mark DeLeon, the Lions linebacker coach, said he was quote really excited about Jelani Tavai, and then went even further, said Jelani Tavai is quote gonna be a nice piece for us to work in this scheme. Chris, we'll go to you first. Coach speak or real talk? I think that's real talk. I think I think really? we're still, um, yeah, I think I think we can still again, Tavai's played his entire career under a, a coach who was just not good. I'm sorry, I'm not going to carry. I'm not going to do any kind of like rose-colored glasses ever on on Matt Patricia. I think, you know, just like maybe with Okuda, we, we see a new coaching staff come in there who understands it. And at the end of the day, guy's still a second-round pick from 2019. There's still plenty he can learn. There's still plenty he can maybe uh, grow on and... If he can, then great. Lions, the, the bar for linebacker right now is not high. So I, uh, I, I, think, I think, you know, if they can get to Vi to work, even if it's just a scheme piece, then that's fine. Ryan? I have to sell it as coach speak because for as much as I want Jelani Tavai to succeed, we didn't see a whole lot of him succeeding regardless, I think, of whatever position he plays uh, in the scheme, um, you know, under Patricia. So I, I had to sell it as coach speak. The only thing that maybe would have made me push and really would have torn me if he would have said something like Jelani divides in the best shape of his life, because I think he legitimately is from all the sweat that I see him pulling off of his body after a workout. It, I mean, he, he looks like he's dropped weight, right, Jeremy? So, I yeah. mean, maybe he's a better fit now. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the big debate there, right? Is, and, and he did, he mentioned like he, you know, he looks like he's, he's trying and he looks like he's in good shape, but you're right. Like there's that whole cliche this time of year, everyone's in the best shape of their life, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so to me, yeah, this is, this is complete coach speak. I'm not one to say that Jelani Tavai is not going to make this team. I think he still probably does just because there isn't the depth that the lines need at the linebacker position, but he's going to have to make major, 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 major changes to his game because this this coaching staff wants speed on defense. It wants sideline to sideline speed. And Jelani Tavai just hasn't had that in college in the first few years of his NFL career. And it sucks for him because like he had to put on a whole bunch of weight for Patricia. Now he's gonna have to take it all off for uh <clears throat> for Dan Campbell and company. So 
I don't think we're going to see it this year. Um, I'd be surprised to see if he ever really plays a significant role on a Lions defense again. But yeah, this this has got to be coach speak. All right, what's up next? Next up, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Hank Fraley, offensive line coach. Talking about Halapuli Vati Vaitai says, quote, if he stays healthy, he, his consistency before he got hurt was really good. He was having a great training camp and that injury really set him back. So coach speak or real talk, injuries were the main concern or main reason for Vaitai's struggles last year. Ryan, you go first. I'm probably going to upset a lot of people when I say that I'm buying this as real talk because, and I'll say this, everybody wanted Graham Glasgow instead of Vaitai. All right. But the fact of the matter is, when it came to getting Vitae and with the plan of him being a tackle, I think that he's going to better transition to guard just because of his size. Now, for a guy of his size to play an entire season on a bum foot, I mean, that it's hard to anchor. It's hard to pull. It's hard to do anything if you just have a flat tire. Like, that's tough. So I think that with Vitae... I think people are so low on him that anything that he does is going to be above expectations. And I don't think that he could be a worse player than he was last year. So I'm buying this as real talk. I'll buy it as real talk, too. I think that between, uh, you know, the injuries were such a big thing, as Brian says, bum foot will really slow you down. But also we talk about, you know, for some guys transitioning from left tackle to right tackle is hard. Vitae transitioned from tackle to, I mean, from left tackle, right tackle. Um, Vitae transitioned from tackle to guard. That was his first year going inside. And what, what's, the, what's the Jeff Schwartz line about um, going from left tackle to right tackle is like wiping with your non-dominant hand or something? I yeah. can't imagine what it's like going inside. That's probably something we can't say here on these non-FCC airwaves, the POD cast. But either way, it was a learning process for him to play guard probably and to go back to guard, which I don't think he's played since maybe uh, high school. I think he didn't even play it in high school, to be honest. It might have been his first year ever playing guard. So um, unless he played some in college. So it it was definitely a learning experience. And again, to be doing it on a bum foot, if he's got the experience down, if he's learned well, then I'll, I'll consider that real talk. I'm, I'm surprised that you're both real talk because I feel like I've been leading the charge on the Levi alone kind of charge. And um <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I think we need to give this guy a shot. I think everything worked against him last year, whether it was the injury, the um, being moved to guard in the middle. I mean, and, and that shortened off season and then being moved to guard middle of all of that, like no time to prepare. It was clear that this team's plan originally was to be right tackle and then it all changed. And, and maybe part of that had to do with Tyrell Crosby just play, out playing him at right tackle. And so maybe there is, you know, I, I think a lot of the the hate towards Vitae is hate towards the contract, not the player. And that's that's fine. Like, the contract was bad. I think we can all sit here and agree, even if Vitae turns out to be an above-average guard, that's still a bad contract. But let's judge the player, not the contract. I think we need to give this guy a chance because, yeah, last year was was tough for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's had a lot of him, right? A little bit of Eric Ebron syndrome, sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Speaking of Eric Ebron... What a great segue to tight ends coach Ben Johnson talking. (laughs) Thanks for the assist there. TJ Hawkinson, he says, quote, I really look forward to seeing him take that next step. So is that coach speak or is that real talk about Hawkinson potentially taking another big step, keeping in mind that he had 723 yards, six touchdowns last year? Um, 
I, I almost want to punt on giving an answer here because I feel like him taking a, a big step would be great as long as he keeps his and stays on his feet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll take real talk on it. Um, I mean, Hawkinson, I think I got in trouble already on like kind of doubting a little bit of Hawkinson. I think I've seen plenty out of him, but if he can take another great step, I mean, he'll benefit from a much better offensive line. He'll bet. He'll, I just, I think, I think he'll, he, I think, I think what will help him take a step is that he'll probably become a more favored target for Jared Goff. Like that's, that's something that Jared Goff likes dumping off to a, to a tight end. So, I mean, if Hawkinson can take advantage of that, turn, turn in some numbers for first downs and for touchdowns, then we're all good here. Yeah. I, I wonder specifically what he means by taking that next step. Like, does that mean just him being a receiver? Does that mean him being a complete player in terms of like a, a as, as a blocker or things like that? I, either way, I think that I would end up buying it and I would end up buying it because it just seems like TJ Hawk is the kind of guy who really works and works hard. And, um, you know, you see it out of George Kittle and the way that he's like just steadily improved over the course of his NFL career and not just as a pass catcher, but like, proving himself to maybe be the best like dual threat tight end in the entire league. So uh, I, I think that Hawkinson has a lot of that to his game. And, you know, for somebody who has given Hawkinson the toughest time probably ever since he's come into the league of the pride of Detroit staff, I, I think that this year is a year where he can like truly get put on people's radar. Like, I mean, Jeremy, that PFF ranking of the top five tight ends in the NFL or the top 32 and then the top five graphic didn't have TJ Hawkinson, but it had Kyle Pitts. Like, I think that's maybe something like TJ Hawkinson would be like, okay, that's like bulletin board material. Like how, how am I not going to be one of the top five tight ends after this year that I am about to have? Yeah, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think both of you are, are right on point with a lot of things. Like the, the main question is like, if not TJ Hawkinson, who are they passing to? Right? Like they don't have great threats at wide receiver. They, they have a couple backs that can catch the ball, but it does seem like the stars are kind of aligning for TJ Hawkinson to potentially have an even bigger breakout year. But I feel like I don't know. I feel like I have to be the one that pours cold water on this a little bit because I, I like I don't know. I don't know if the there really is that much of a more of a ceiling to get. Do you really ever view TJ Hawkinson as a guy who could get a thousand yards and, and double digit touchdowns? I mean, maybe you draft a guy in the seventh, seventh or eighth overall, whatever it was. Um, <clears throat> you, yeah, you're probably just, expecting him to have that potential. But I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't I guess I don't really see him taking a, a, a noticeable step, at least in production. Like I, I even but to be clear, like if he has 800 yards and eight touchdowns this year, that's basically what he did with a couple more touchdowns thrown on top. And I'm completely fine with that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's what you and me, Jeremy, I think we're in the same same ballpark here on what we think about Hawkinson. It's just a matter of like. Again, how much how much more of another step can you be? And if, if that qualifies either as your coach speaker, real talk. That's why I kind of want to punt yeah. on this one. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Real, I, real quick and over and under. It is 17 games, but over or under a thousand yards for TJ Hawkinson in 2021. Uh, I'm still going to go over. I just don't think he's going to get as many. I, actually, you know what? Damn it. I'm taking the under. Yeah, I was going to say like I, I just because the problem is I boxed myself in because I said he's going to be a better fit. I mean, he's going to be a good fit with Jared Goff. I just don't think it's going to translate into all those yards that uh, he got with Stafford. So I'll all say right, over. Okay. okay. 1200. I, you, as soon as Kyle Pitts was out of the picture, now you're just all aboard the TJ Hawkinson train. You have to be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next. The pit stop. 
Next coach, Mark Brunel, we heard from for the first time, um, which was cool. Um, very, very interesting guy to talk to and a smart guy, it really seems like. He had a whole soliloquy on Jared Goff, and I'm just going to read part of it here. He says, he's everything you're looking for. Competitive, a quarterback that has won, I believe, as a starter. 42 games in addition to leading a team to the Super Bowl. That's who we're getting. That's who I get to coach. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. We've worked together on Zoom. He's very bright. He's picked up this offense. He's very hungry. He's motivated. Honestly, he is just incredible. I cannot wait to get him on the field and see what he can do in person. Guys, is this Mark Brunel just coach, coach speaking up his quarterback? Or do you, do you think this is real talk? He's actually very excited and, and very optimistic about Jared Goff. This is this is coach speak. I'm positive on Jared Goff. I am not the doom and gloom. Jared Goff is going to be who he was last year forever kind of guy. But like he also says he's seen a lot like uh, I've seen a lot of tape. I've seen some incredible plays, some incredible games. Yeah. Mark Brunel is watching 800 hours of tape in the past 24 hours because this is that's a Jaws quote, man. That's a Jaws quote. And again, like I know everyone in the NFL does this about leading a team to a Super Bowl, but I don't know. I, I see quarterbacks as part of of a giant machine. It's a very important part. It's it's a starter on a car, but it's still a part at the end of the day. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm selling it a little bit. I'm I'm I feel bad about it because again, I think Jared Goff can probably rebound, but that's uh that's a lot to heap on to a guy who's basically on the losing end of a trade from Los Angeles. Brian? I mean, this is 100% coach speak for a guy who needs to be motivated as much as possible. Like, like it, yeah. tr- tr- you should be getting your own motivation, to be honest, if you're Jared Goff. Like, you should you be motivating should. yourself, but yeah. Well, I mean, you should if you have self-awareness, but I'm worried about whether or not Jared Goff has any self-awareness being the... <laughs> he's, he's staring <laughs> at the mover that he is. Okay, but, yes. Well, no, he'd be staring and you'd have to grab his shoulders and resituate him in what direction the sun is rising (laughs) yes um buying at least i I see in the notes buy sell brunel's excitement is legitimately excited i think brunel is legitimately excited because i think brunel sees a lot of himself in golf i'll just say that Uh, yeah that might be true i mean well apparently mark brunel sees a lot of the 90 what six or 97 jaguars in the 2021 detroit lions right jeremy that's right (laughs) that's both good Uh, and bad (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, the 2021 Detroit Lions, as close as you can get to an expansion team without actually being. <laughs> I mean, they, they did. I mean, I guess I like this because it's implying that uh, DeAndre Swift is Fred Taylor. Hmm. Um, hey, that'd be a great ceiling for DeAndre Swift. He would definitely be a top 32 running back if that were the case. Um, but the, the last thing I want to say about Goff is that, um, you know, this is kind of. I, do you guys think that if things go sour or they don't go right with Detroit, like, do you think that Jared Goff might be done as a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yes. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think so, so too. He'll move to journeyman. I think he'll move yeah. to journeyman and probably get another shot. Kind of like Fitzpatrick keeps getting yeah. shots. Well, yeah, he'll, yeah, that's what I think. He'll just kind of be a journeyman that maybe some, Dalton. Yeah. Someone that, that'll probably serve mostly as a backup, but could also step in a couple games and, oh, and I think some bad will sign him as a starter like that. Maybe. That's going to be what, that's what Fitzpatrick is. That's what Dalton is. Bad teams will sign you as a starter because they have no other choice. I kind of view golf ceiling a little bit higher than those guys. though. like higher yeah, than Fitzpatrick, so. higher than like his career ceiling, higher than Andy Dalton. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Not quite Alex Smith, but you know, we're, we're getting to that territory now. 
I so I think I think this is real talk if the question is is Brunel being honest with himself because I, I I don't know how you can watch that press conference and not feel like he's actually speaking from the heart like the way he was talking the way he was the the, the emotion that were jumping off his words and maybe that I, I think a lot of it is probably just pure excitement the dude's coaching in the NFL again um he's in the NFL again um so that's got to be exciting for him but I'm certainly not buying his I, I certainly certainly don't share his feelings that like this is a this is a Super Bowl contending quarterback. Like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. I'm not I'm not saying he can't do that again, and I'm not saying that he doesn't have a lot of talent. I do think he has a lot of talent. Um, but I I just slow down, Mark. Slow down, Mark. I know you're excited. Yeah. Slow down. Last one before we get off here, and th- this actually wasn't part of the the pressers last week. It was Anthony Lynn joining the Athletic, the fellows from the Athletic, for a little film session, um, which I thought was a, a really awesome series. Um, but he talked about Jamal Williams in a way that sparked a lot of controversy by people who read it completely wrong. But he, he spoke very, very highly of Jamal Williams. And the quote I want to focus on is, in, is, quote, I think we can use this young man across the board. So he's talking about all three downs as, as, as a potential three down back. So is that coach speak or is that real talk? Could Jamal Williams be a potential three down back for the Detroit Lions? I'm, I'm going to sell that. I, I, I see the, I see the positive attributes of Jamal Williams and I just view him as being, I view him as being a guy that the Lions can count on in a pinch, but they can also count on him as a reserve rotational back. But I, I, I understand like the Packers were all in on Aaron Jones. So like prioritizing and signing Jamal Williams isn't a big thing because they also drafted AJ Dillon. But I think that if Jamal Williams was quote unquote like a complete three down back in the sense that he'd be like a workhorse, he would have gotten more than six million dollars in free agency, right? Sure. I, I don't know. That that that's where I, this is not taking I think Jamal Williams is gonna be an awesome complimentary back, and that's just how the NFL works today. So like Jamal Williams is in a very important role. He doesn't have to be like stuffed in this like kind of like outdated box where it's like, oh, he's a three down back. Like he like, no, he like he he can do everything like he can pass block. He can run the ball if you need him to. But like, I don't know if, if Anthony Lynn meant it from that aspect, I, I have to sell it. I'll buy it. I'm not going to betray the guy who came on our podcast and talked anime with me. I'll buy okay. it. Okay. Furring ferret. Furring <laughs> ferret. Yep. Yep. Well, I, I, I will totally brown nose on this. Sure. Yeah. Let me, let me frame it a different way. What if you had to guess right now, and let's just pretend there's no other running backs on the roster, it's just those two. What is the snap distribution going to be between those two percentage between, between Williams and uh and Swift? Yeah, 60 40. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say 65 35. I think that's about right, 65 35. Yeah, I think it might be closer to 50 50. I, could see no, that. I don't think it will be 50-50. I think it'll be closer than... I, I, I think I like a, I literally could. I, I just could. Maybe, maybe we're overvaluing DeAndre Swift a little bit. I don't know. Like, I, to be clear, I think they just like both guys a lot, and they'll just go kind of drive by drive, and it's going to frustrate fantasy owners. It's probably going to frustrate Lions fans a little bit as well, but I think, I think they really like those guys, and personally, I'm not one... I know players will tell you all the time that they need to get in a rhythm and things like that, and it might be a little bit disruptive towards that, but... I think they like these guys, both these guys quite a bit and they're going to want both of them on the field. That's the sustainable model in the NFL now though, Jeremy. So I could totally see it being 55, 55 or 60, 40 or even 50, 50. So, and that would be a good thing for the lions. All right. 
thank you, Jeremy, for the game. That was uh, excellent. Who won? You did a good job. You did a good me. job. Me, of course. Nobody won. The, the listeners won. <laughs> the listeners won because they got to hear us all. That's how, that's how it's going to work. And Ryan's grabbing his eyes. All right, we're taking a quick break here. We'll be right back to close up shop on the Friday Detroit POD cast for the week of the 24th of May. Wrapping up shop here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, and we're getting in here. I know it's time for OTAs. Uh, during break, Jeremy was salivating over a bunch of photographs from practice, uh, going through them like the Zap Rooter film, just you know, back into the left, back into the left, making a big deal out of uh, who was it, Victor Bolden being labeled as a running back? Yeah. RB1. Heard it here Ooh, first RB1? on the Pride of yeah. Detroit podcast. Mm. Mm, yeah. Put that Inquiry out there. mistake or breaking news? We'll see. Uh, Jeremy, you said that you were so excited for OTAs on Twitter. What I, makes you so excited for OTAs? I don't know. I think part of it is just being there for, I mean, we didn't get to go. There there weren't OTAs last year, right? Like there was yeah. nothing. Um, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen the Lions practice since training camp, and I, I think I went to about five practices last year. And it's, it's honestly one of my favorite things about the job is just, just being there on the practice field because you get nothing during practices during the season. You just basically take attendance. Um, so training camp and OTAs are, are the one chance you get to see, you know, the sausage getting made. And it's, it's a new regime based on everything I heard from Eric last week. Like, seems like practice is, is fun. Seems like the, the coaching staff and everyone's a little more interactive with the, the staff that, or the, the, the media that's out there. And I'm just I'm excited, man. It, it, it's it's a return to normalism that we're all starting to feel. And this is just like adding on top of that. Yeah, listen, I got my second shot last week, and I think California like fully, fully opens on the 15th. It's, uh, it's definitely another sign of that. And um, I think it'll be part of a sign that we just get, yeah, as you say, full OTAs, full training camp, access to a lot of it. Um, I know we were just talking about what Lions games will probably open up. So I, I've, got, I've got nothing really much to add other than I think I've got like one storyline I want to see from OTAs. But uh, otherwise, it's just practice to me. But it still well, means something. Your, your choice of words were very interesting, Jeremy, because you said the staff is more interactive. Tell us why it's a big deal that there wasn't a rookie quarterback at uh, rookie minicamp and Mark Brunel had to throw the passes. I mean, that's cool, right? Like, they, they, they just decided, like, hey, we, we already know our three quarterbacks that we're going to have in training camp and OTAs. Like, screw adding another one that we're just going to cut in a couple days. Like let's just wing it ourselves and, and we'll just deal with the, the, the heating and the icing of our shoulders tomorrow. And Mark's like, I still got it here. <laughs> I, I hope that all of the coaches at some point, like just step in, like Aaron Glenn just like sho- shoves Okuda okay. to the side. He's like, do it like this. And then just does it. Glenn's just going to wrap up on, on Cephas and just take him to the ground. Do you, I mean, do you think Antoine? Not? Do you think Antoine Antoine Randall could make the live fifty three man roster right now? One hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> First yeah, time. No, absolutely. Absolutely. As a quarterback like, or wide receiver? Wide receiver. The answer is yes. 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 <laughs> yes. No, but I mean, 
I think the biggest storyline for me, and I think we're already starting to see the answers of it because they did post pictures of, I guess, some sort of practice today. I, I was under the impression OTAs didn't start until Tuesday, but they posted some on Monday uh, afternoon, evening, um, was just who's going to show because the Lions had that statement um, back in, I want to say April, it might've been March that said, Hey, you know, due to COVID concerns and safety concerns, we're not going to show up to volunteer voluntary programs this off season until you guys get your act together. Well, OTAs are, are voluntary, and it looks like just about everyone has shown up so far. We, we've seen Goff. We've seen Vitae, which is also a great sign that he's gotten over his, his COVID positive test. Um, we've seen the full offensive line. What did I say? You said Vitae. Vitae. Sewell. Sorry. Um, yeah. And so it, it seems like the an- we've already gotten the answer to our question, but there, you know, every year there are people that, that don't participate participate in OTAs simply out of, you know, personal preference, whether it's working out on their own, but it seems like we're going to have pretty much a full house, which uh, gets me even more excited because while, while rookie minicamp was nice, it was also just a, a, a small tattering of players and we don't know how those guys are going to stack up towards veterans. So um, attendance is question number one, and we've already started to get our, our answer and it looks like we're, we're going to have a full house, which means exciting times are ahead this week. How many players just, real quick. How many no. players do you think were influenced by the Juwan James injury? Like, hey, either you can work out on your own, tear your Achilles and lose your NFL contract, or you can come to the team facility and work out. Probably at some, I'm not going to say it didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> right? No, I, think, I, I think a lot more of it is just, this is just kind of what we know about the NFLPA at this part, part point. It's like, we want to posture. We want to make it sound like we actually like still have some power and leverage, but we signed away all of it. So we're just going to blow smoke, but then, yeah, it's time to get back in here when it's actually time. We, we've expressed our opinion, and now we're just going to come in here anyway. Just weak and feckless like the NFLPA always is. Just totally weak and stupid. But um, no, I think the big story for me just looking at OTAs is just... I, I hate to bring up the quarterback because I feel like, oh my God, we're just going to hammer the quarterback. But um, kind of like how you should always throw kind of perfect in your... Uh, in pro days, I would say I don't need to see perfection out of Jared Goff, but I at least want to ma- see that he's not like, you know, tripping over himself out there. That he's still that, you know, he's at least got what's going on. I mean, like, I mean, because he's he's the big wild card this year, right? Yeah, like we, we don't every we've got half of Lions fans who believe he has no future whatsoever he's a doomed failure from the first snap and we've got another portion of lions twitter who thinks that he can be a long-term asset and just a complete reclamation project and maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle but at the very least it's our first real shot at seeing what jared goff still has and how well he's going to play out there and how his accuracy is yeah, I mean, we've we've taken Matthew Stafford for granted for these past 12 years. We, we haven't been paying that much attention to quarterback play during the offseason because we knew who the starting quarterback was and we knew who the starting quarterback of the future was. And mm-hmm. and we know Jared Goff is going to be the starting quarterback to start 2021 and, and probably to finish 2021, but we don't know how long that's going to be. And, and first impressions are important. And Jared Goff is going to have to make a, a heck of a first impression on, on the media. Um, they'll get the first crack at him, but... If I can, um, yeah. if I can, just real quick to Jeremy then, because we did superlatives last week on the uh, schedule. And I think one of the superlatives we did was what game will make or break Jared Goff for you. Um, 
we'll get right back to OTAs, I promise. But I just want to get since we're on that topic and you seem to be on the fence on him. What did you have a game in mind? Or like well, I mean, I don't think be? there's a, a game in particular that I need to see him do good or bad. at. I, th- I think it's more like, will I know by now? Like, yes. Yeah. Will, yeah. No, that will was I have an idea. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think Thanksgiving's a pretty good marker. Um, by then, I mean, I want I want to give him as much time as possible. And you also have to, you know, there's a completely new offense for him, completely new receivers. You, you got to give him at least a month or two to at least settle in uh, during the regular season. And yeah, I, I mean, am am I going to be like a hundred percent on one side or the other by the end of the year? I can't say that for sure. I will be because we have to see how exactly it plays out. But um, you, I, I think I'll I'll certainly be leaning in a direction or or uh, the other by by Thanksgiving. All right, back to OTAs. What do you guys? Do you guys have like a big storyline you want to watch out on here for yourself? Well, right. Like, yeah, I think for me in particular, I know that on the locker room app, you know, Eric has a uh, how should I say this? He has a uh, preference in terms of what he likes to watch in terms of like the offensive lineman versus the defensive lineman. I think what's going to be really interesting is watching one on ones with wide receivers and cornerbacks. The entire wide receiver room is turned over. The cornerbacks are all young, you know, except for a veteran here or there with Corn Elder and Quentin Dunbar, um, who's wearing number one, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah. And Dunbar Ford one and Mike Ford is two. two. Those yeah. might be subject to change still. I, I think, I mean, obviously, anything can change through training camp, so. Sure, yeah. yeah I, I guess just the, the thing was, is Okuda going to go 223 or is he going to go to one? And I guess that's still subject to change. But I think it'll be cool nonetheless to have cornerbacks with single digits. But that all aside, wide receivers versus cornerbacks, I think, is prob- probably, w- without a doubt, like the most interesting uh, matchups that I think that we're going to see. Like even with like the turnover in the running back room and maybe seeing DeAndre Swift, like I know who DeAndre Swift is. I don't know really who Tyrell Williams is or Brashad Perryman or you know, any of those guys for that Mac. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you and I'm, I'm almost more interested on the defensive side of the ball because we don't even know who the two starting corners are right now. Right. Is it Quinton Dunbar? Is it, is it a money or warrior? Who's the starting nickel? I mean, I guess, I guess that's kind of decided just I mean, because by process it, of elimination, there's, there's no one else, but Cornell elder, but what, what is all that? I, I'm kind of curious just what is the starting lineup going to look like on defense and what's going to look like in, in you know, the, the sub packages that, that we keep talking about. Is Levi Onzerike, is he going to be the starting defensive tackle? Or is it going to be Nick Williams? Or is it going to be Deshaun Hand? Yeah, I feel like I feel like I want to see a lot of Okuda out of Okuda at this point, too. Like, because he's sure. he's heaped a lot on the past on the past scheme. And um, he's kind of insinuated in a very polite, in his very polite way that um, he just wasn't getting whatever, you know, Patricia was really throwing out there. And uh, this is your chance now, man. Third pick overall. And um, you better start. And, you know, I get it. Corners take time to develop, but uh, second year now. So we'll see how well he transitions here. I mean, it. And if I'm, I'm not trying to hate on the, the lines wide receiving core, but like, yeah, oh man, hmm. it, this is this should be relatively <laughs> easy compared to some of the things he's going to see during the regular season. He's not going to go up against a true number one in training camp. And speaking of those wide receivers, like we we've talked a lot about talked a lot about Amon Ra St. Brown, but I mean, well, first glimpse we're, glimpse we're going to get on Amon Ra St. Brown to really see, since I mean we saw a little bit of him at rookie minicamp, and he kind of did pretty damn well there, but now we get to see him up against some of the 
some of the veterans too. So, I mean, uh, the rest of that group has to shake itself out too. I don't even know, you know, what, what we were even expecting out of Cephas. I know we've kind of just picked and just looked at, oh yeah, the line will go up, but you know, still a lot he has to prove. Well, if, if I had to ask you, Jeremy, which side of the ball is going to be more impressive? Out of the is, it gonna, is it going to be the wide receivers or is it going to be the cornerbacks? Oh. On paper, I think it should be the cornerbacks. <laughs> I think there's, there's a a sl- slightly more talent. There's not. It's not like an abundance of talent. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Ifatu Melifanwu and and where he f- pictures into everything. But um, mm-hmm. you know, he might have a shot at getting some real playing time this year as well. Um, I, I they I, they've just invested more draft picks into that secondary, right? And at that point, at this point, it, it's not any proven talent. Jeff Okuda isn't proven talent. Amani Orari isn't proven talent. Ifatu Melifanwu isn't. Tracy Walker still plenty of questions. I mean. That was the guy that I wanted to mention. Like, I I don't think we can talk about the defensive backs. I know we're talking about the corners versus the wide receivers, but I think Tracy Walker is one of the most interesting storylines for the Lions defense as a whole. Like he showed promise under Patricia. He got in Patricia's doghouse at one point, crawled his way back out. And now he's, he's just on the other side, like in a new regime for a guy that seemingly got talked up as being a steal when he was drafted in the second round. Like, is that guy going to stick around or not? Because it's it's literally it's it's this year or bust, right? Yeah. And and we really it's it's someone we haven't really heard the the coaching staff talk about much. Right. Like we've heard Jeff right. Okuda get talked up a whole bunch. We've not heard much from Tracy Walker, but it, it's kind of his show in the secondary. Right. Like who else is back there to help him out? Um, he's he's going to start. Dean Marlowe. Dean Marlowe. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe. But like, yeah, maybe it, we it, do need to, maybe we do need to suit up Aaron and Glenn. <laughs> I, I would definitely say, like, if we're talking about, like, the five most interesting guys to watch during OTAs and training camp, Tracy Walker is probably up there. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. an idea real quick. I mean, not to do a full list cast as we have like two minutes, two, three minutes left in the show. But Tracy Walker, I mean, for me, it would probably be Jared Goff. Um, who else mm-hmm. are we throwing on that list? Panay Sewell, uh, right? Sewell, yeah. I mean, are we throwing there's Cephas not, There's not a lot of contact, but. Are we throwing that? Cephas on that list? No. Who are the like like again? Someone from the wide receivers has to stand out. So who is it? I, I'm surprised that you're not just thumping the table for Amon Ross A. Brown right now. I am. I am. But well, I then add him to your list, coward. Okay, fine. <laughs> We're making. We are making a list together as a family. And now oh, we just, are. Okay. That's <laughs> I, fair. I, to well, me, I, it, it's probably Tyrell Williams because I think he's penciled in right now as a wide receiver number one can he mm-hmm. live up to those expectations he he didn't in oakland i don't think although he's dealing with some injuries there can he kind of reclaim what he, i i think the dude has a ton of confidence and i think he thinks he can be a number one wide receiver so i'm interested to see if he can if he can show it yeah i i, I think that's a good one i personally this seems kind of weird because it's not like a young player but like vitae like what does vitae yeah, look like when he's healthy about, yeah because, I mean, there's plenty of I, if he's playing guard, as we've penciled him in as he's got some talent that he's going to be able to face in in minicamp. Like, I mean, Brockers, Aline McNeil, Onzurike, like they can throw a bunch of different stuff at him from like big, strong guys to quick guys like, you know, Brockers or Onzurike. Like he's going to get tested in like multiple ways. And I think OTAs are going to be a long way towards proving that, like, he belongs as part of the offensive line. Absolutely. Um, I think we can put a bow in it right here. You guys good? You guys ready to go watch OTAs? 
I'm thrilled. I'm 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 actually thrilled. I'm more thrilled than Mark Brunel is about Jared Goff. I'm that wow. level of thrilled. That is a high level of thrillment of thrilling <laughs> and chilling. Jeremy Reisman, the thriller. Don't call we me got that. Another nickname. Don't call me that. There there are people that have been uh, tagged with uh, the the word thriller that that I don't want to be compared to. Okay. Michael Jackson. Yes. Thank you for okay. saying it out loud. <laughs> Marvin Harrison. Oh no! You said the name. Find you somebody who talks about you the same way that Mark Brunel talks about Jared Goff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Those are words to live by. As we close up here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, I'm Chris Fett at Chris Fett on Twitter, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. We'll see you next time. And as always, we'll see you star side. <laughs>